Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey, everyone. This is Jim. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. This is the podcast where we talk about building a better kind of online business for yourself. I want to talk a little bit today about the future of online business. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T. I know some of you are aware of what that means. For those of you who've never heard of that acronym before, it stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. A SWOT analysis is usually used when putting together a business plan that's going to be presented to potential investors. So that way they see all of those things up front, the strengths of the business plan, of the product or service, Potential weaknesses in it, one product can't do everything, opportunities in the marketplace, as well as threats. And I think when we look at those four words together, especially right now, most people are hyper-focused on threats, especially since the rise of AI late last year. ChatGPT, for example, has already driven more than just a few of the larger content-creating companies out of business here in the U.S. over the past year eight months. Some of the larger business publications here publish stories about how quickly these companies lost their corporate clients, why they lost them, which of course is just simple math. The larger corporate entities decided it was easier to free up one or two people who already knew how ChatGPT worked in-house and train them to produce the content that they needed. And of course, when you work inside of a company, unless you're specific in a niche, meaning that if you're going to create content, let's say you're a content creator and you focus on people in the in a health niche. Let's take acupuncture. So maybe you create content for acupuncturists. I mean, that's that would be a real niche. But if the writers understand the topic inside out and they have experience with that kind of content, that's what I'm talking about with some of these companies that produce content for larger corporations. Of course, the people already in the corporation are trained to know about the products and services. So the only thing standing between getting the job done uh, outside by outsourcing it or done inside in a lot of these cases is understanding how ChatGPT works and how to create the proper prompts in order to get the kind of result that you're looking for. Now, I started with AI back in uh, late 2022. I've been using it daily since that time. And I have to say that as a smaller business, now I'm comparing myself with a corporate type of business, there's no longer a need for me to outsource any kind of writing. Now, a quick disclaimer here, I've always enjoyed creating content. I've always enjoyed writing. I've created courses and eBooks, plenty of written content over the years. So it's really not a weakness in my individual case. However, that being the fact, there is no longer a reason for me to outsource anything as far as content or copy goes when I have a tool like this that I'm comfortable using now and I know how to get the kind of result that I'm looking for. So I'm just doing the contrast there because you can see how one type of technology can totally transform how business is done in a particular marketplace. And in this case, we're talking about content creation. Now I can go back to the graphic design years 
and I can look at the graphic design industry and see what it was like before the computers basically took over and uh, afterward because I came right in right on that line where when I worked went to work for my first agency there was only one computer in the shop and there were probably about six or seven graphic designers working at tables basically they look like drafting tables there was one typesetter there for those of you who don't know what a typesetter is at the time they would just make sure that the type and the size of the font would fit into the space that was needed there was literally a, a mathematical formula before there were computers to make it possible so for example if we have let's say two pages of text here on a word document but it needs to fit into the space let's say three pages then all we would do is we would highlight the text if we couldn't add more text to kind of flesh it out a little bit more we can always change the spacing we can change the font size back then it was all done using a uh, typesetting machine where it literally printed out the text okay i'm not going to get too far into that that was then this is now the point is is that technology changed everything and i thought at the time well what future is there going to be for a graphic designer once computers come along because all the design that used to be done by hand pen and ink brushes paints glues um, and printing presses and all of that what's going to happen to them and it simply became a matter of the graphic designer adapted to the computer the computer didn't replace the designer it just became the tool of the designer well i think the same same thing is going to happen today where we're going to see chat gpt become the tool of the writer so but that being said is there going to be the need to have x number of writers do the job no just like there's not the need to have x number of people working in a factory anymore because technology, which also includes AI, robotics, etc., are now doing the job that used to be done by hand. And so that we see this, it doesn't make any difference what the industry is. We can see the difference between the past and the present, and there's no reason why that won't continue to change going forward. Now, there is a bit of timeless, evergreen biz business wisdom that can be applied to any time, including this time right now, I want to talk about some of that today, too. Now, before we get started, today's episode is sponsored by two of my own marketing resources. The first is the Digital Strategist Newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. comes out every month, usually on the 23rd or the 24th. It's absolutely free, and it's designed to give you some insights that can help you think through your own marketing strategies and options. If you haven't already done so, head over to jimsnewsletter.com to sign up. Back issues are available there as well. And also the one-to-many system, which is my big course. This program is designed to give you a complete scalable marketing strategy and system along with the website and the content creation pieces so you can finally put everything together. It's the culmination of my 25-plus years of doing business online. That's available at one-to-many-system.com. Okay, now... According to the financial reports, let's look at the reality of the climate that we're working in today. According to the financial reports, business-to-business -business sales are doing great. Now, one of the things that, when you think about the how politics plays into this, whatever party is in power, it's to their benefit to make it look like everything is going great. 
And whatever party is out of power, it's to their benefit to make it look like everything is doing poorly. And if you listen to one party or the other, then you can make you can come to the conclusion that what they're saying is making sense on both sides. Things are better, things are worse. However, recently I got to the point where I decided that I'm not going to listen to what anyone's saying in the media because it's all propaganda either for one side or for the other. But for the truth of what's happening around me, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to look at what's happening around me. For example, we can say business-to-business sales are doing great, but at the same time, B2C, business-to-customer sales, while not being in any kind of visible danger on paper, they are being threatened by an underlying, we might as well call it a rip current of record consumer debt. So consumer debt here has reached $1 trillion dollars higher than ever before, higher than when everything crashed in 2008. So in my opinion, consumer debt is the true weakness of any overall economy. Yeah, you can have a house built, but it could be built like like a house of cards, right? It can collapse at any second. The fact that it's still standing is not any indication of the health of the individual pieces making it stand. And you don't need the Financial Times or the Wall Street Journal to tell you any of this. Consider the impact inflation has had, for example, on your spending habits or your family spending habits or your friends or your relatives. How has that changed how you're living life on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week or a monthly basis? Have things changed for you for the better? Or have things changed for you for the worse? Are you spending less money? Is your money going further than it ever has? Or is it not going as far as you need it to go? I mean, these are just simple ABCs of life that you don't need some kind of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence AI system to figure out the true state of the economy. You can just get in your car, drive around, talk to people. Matter of fact, you might as well just talk to the people that you know. And there, at any given point in time, you will have a snapshot of what reality is, regardless of anything that you're going to read online or anything that you're going to hear on the news or any political spin either for or against. Right. So now, consider how much money it's costing your family today for just the basics. I'm talking about food, housing, insurance, transportation, maintenance costs to go with your housing, taxes, and more. And it's not just here in the United States, of course. It's happening everywhere. The point is, this record consumer debt is unsustainable. So sooner or later, a few things have to happen. Either people go bankrupt. Now, you have to ask, what about the money that is being spent? For example, I live here in Sarasota, Florida, and if I go outside at any given point in time, take a drive around town, there's plenty of traffic, there's plenty of people eating at the fancy restaurants, there's plenty of people, but this is not like a microcosm of the United States. This is just one place. It's kind of like, you know, if you were, if you parachuted out of a plane in the desert and you happened to land where there was a little oasis, well, your experience is going to be much different than people 
that may be in another location in that desert. The point is there's always going to be places where things are going poorly and there's always going to be places when things are going well. And I think what comes down to as business people is we have to look at the terrain that we're presently in and stop again listening to what everybody is telling us is happening because it's right in front of our faces. It's right here. It's happening in our own experience. And so what I see happening on a consumer level, not just here, but across the world, is that the the spending is unsustainable. People cannot continue to move forward with this record kind of inflation eating away. Now, again, when they talk about inflation, believe it or not, they don't include food in inflation. They stopped including that back in the inflation numbers. If someone gives you a number and says, okay, the number is lower today than it was, let's say, back in 1969, where there was all kinds of inflation, for example, then you, if you go back and actually do some digging, you'll learn that, well, they used to include food in that number, in that percentage. They don't include food today. Well, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but how much, what percentage of your money goes to food every month? You know, does food have an impact on your personal finances, on your family finances? Absolutely. How about taxes and insurances? You know where I'm going with this. Okay, now, so we do have that. But let's look at another reality because the truth is there's more than enough wealth in the world right now to sustain you and yours for the rest of your lives. You just need to have more wisdom than the average person in order to take advantage of all the wealth that's out there in the world today. There's people out in the world that are just super wealthy and they're paying exorbitant amounts of money for the things that they want, you know, as well as the things they need each and every day out there. And so if you're connected with one of these groups of people, then you're not experiencing the same thing that, let's say, the average person is experiencing. And one of the reasons why people want to get into business for themselves is so they don't have to be in, quote unquote, the average So they don't have to rely on a boss or a corporation or a company to decide when they've done enough to warrant a raise, okay? Now, recently I heard a story about a professional football player. He was cut from his team after a few good years in the NFL. Now, when he was telling his story, he was talking about how he grew up, how he loved playing football. When he got to high school, he was a standout. He was really good. When he got to um, college, I think he played for Florida State. He was a standout. He thought he was going to go in the first round of the draft. As it ended up, he went in the second round. He signed a pretty big money contract. And what was the first thing he did? He bought a house for himself and for his new wife. He bought a house for his mother. And he was living the dream. So a few years later, he was injured. And he finished the season on the bench. And after the season... If I remember the story correctly, he went through the rehab and the reconditioning. But as it turns out, he didn't have the same speed that he formerly did before the accident. And he ended up being let go at the conclusion of the training camp. And this really hit him hard because for his entire life, he had worked for this moment of being a player in the NFL of making the big money, of changing his life, of changing his family's life, both his, his mother and his wife, having children, so on and so forth. 
And he had money in the bank, of course, because he was signed. But when you're no longer playing, you know, you have, even if you buy, you know, you buy the expensive car, you pay cash for it. You buy the house for yourself, you buy the house for your mom, you know, you spend that money, whatever. All those things are paid for in cash. But the cost of living, things that people usually don't think about, taxes is an example of one. Um, again, all the things I mentioned earlier, food, transportation, insurances, all of those things. If you don't have income coming in, then that, that amount that you have in the bank, regardless of how large it looks today, it's not going to last forever, especially when you think about, for example, his case where he's an athlete and you know you have a window that you're working within for your career. And so he had money in the bank. He paid for his home in cash, but he still had to pay for all the other things. He had a new baby on the way and the cost of living over the course of the next year, he noticed that this is going to significantly over time eat away at his bank balance. He has to find a way to make more money. And he didn't give up on his dream of being a professional football player. So he went back to work and he did the off-season training. And then he went back the next season to get some tryouts again. So as an athlete, if you think about it, maybe you have, what, a decade of your life? or 15 years of your life. I know there are some players that are still playing well into their 30s. A few who make it to their 40s. Usually not in professional football, but unless you're talking about football like over in in Europe, soccer, what we call it here in the United States. But I've seen the same story repeat time and time again on a very small scale. Somebody starts an online business, they create a product or service, it's a hit. They make maybe quite a bit of money, and the money comes inside of this very small window of time. And then afterwards, the sales dry up, and they're not able to duplicate that process again. So they're trying to maintain something that's not making enough money, that's taking a lot of their time. And when I think about that, and that's what I was thinking of when I was listening to his story. In a, in a perfect world, we would each have a portion of the money that we make that's simply dedicated to making more money. Now, that's really hard to do when you're just making ends meet. And some of the financial investors will tell you there's always ways that you can take a little bit of money and put it aside and assign it to making more money. And the most important thing isn't the amount of money that you put aside. I know they say that, but if you think about, well, I only have $20 a month to put aside or, or $100 a month or $50 a month, that's all I can afford because... I have expenses, we have kids, and they need to spend money on this and that. But when you think about um, the how financial consultants look at this, they look at the habit more than the amount. Because what people find is that when you get in the habit of doing something and when you see the benefit in it, you find ways to increase that amount. Now, Again, with small businesses on a small scale, you have somebody out there, they create a course and they make a bunch of money. Usually the first thing they do with that money or they sell a bunch of eBooks or they sell a bunch of anything. They have a new product launch. I've seen it happen a lot. They make all of this money and then usually the money goes to fund all the things they couldn't do before they had the money. In other words, they they buy the new car or they buy the new computers, the new tech, the new software. They buy new furniture for the house. They say, and then the money's gone. 
And so they have to come back again and figure out how to duplicate that process. And some people aren't able to do that. So if you look at the investor mindset, in their mind, however the money comes, whether it comes through a business or somewhere else, then that money, a portion of it is going to be put aside to have children and grandchildren. Look at it that way, right? To make more money. So we can use the farmer analogy if you want. Right? When you take in the harvest, that harvest also doesn't just give you food to eat, but it gives you seed to plant back for the next growing season. And so every bit of food that comes in, it provides food for you, but it also provides seed for the next harvest, and each harvest should get bigger and bigger. Anyway, back to the analogy of the football player. Um, you know, He continued to try out with different teams in the hopes of making the team's practice squad but he got help from a financial person. The person told him, look, you need to take a portion of your money and dedicate it towards making more money. That's how true wealth has always been built. People talk about America and the land of opportunity. But if you look closer at the opportunities, the people that came, became super wealthy, they just didn't become wealthy because they kept making so many sales and the money just kept pouring in. They became wealthy because, yeah, they made a lot of sales, but a portion of that money was put aside and dedicated to investing, investing in things that would make even more money over time. Over And by time, I mean three years, five years, ten years, or longer than that. But anyway, this football player, he recognized that, okay, I need money coming in. And I'm not going to be able to make the kind of money just going out to get a job. Even though he graduated from college, he wasn't, didn't graduate with a major that was going to make him a bunch of money. And for the future of his family, it made more sense to not give up on football quite yet because it would bring in the kind of money that, would, if he could invest some of it, could substantially change the future long term of how his family could live in their lives. And so... He continued to, the next year, try out with different teams with the hopes of at least making the practice squad. Now, let me explain what the practice squad is. Players in the NFL get paid for being on what's called a practice squad, and the practice squad players receive a weekly salary determined by, that year, the NFL's collective bargaining agreement. And so the exact amount can vary from season to season, and it's you know typically lower than the salary of active roster players. Now we're just talking about average players now. We're not talking about superstar quarterbacks or receivers or defensive players. We're just talking about the average player in the NFL who has maybe three to five years of window that they're going to make some money in. So the practice squad players, however, they have the opportunity to be signed by any team in the league, not just the team that they're practicing with. And so once you get signed, then of course, you go to the active roster from the practice squad roster and you automatically get a higher salary. Now this year, as of this recording, 2023, practice squad players make $11,500 per week, which amounts to $207,000 for an 18-week season. Pretty good, right? You're a good football player. You may not be great, but if you don't take that $207,000 that you have coming in. Now, of course, yeah, taxes have to get paid out of that. But if you take a portion of that money and invest that money in making more money, then you don't just burn through it. In other words, that year of your life that you spent is not going to be for naught because some of that money will be making money for you in perpetuity going forward. 
So the effort that you put into making a product today, tonight, the ebook that you're putting the effort into writing right now, the course that you're putting together, once you get paid for that, if you spend that money, that money is gone forever. But if you take a portion of that and invest it in something, now I know we're not talking in specifics right now, I'm talking in generalities, but it's important that you just see the basic logic behind what I'm saying before going into specifics. If you take a portion of the money that you make from your product launch into making more money, then that money will be growing for you next year in 2024, in 2025, in 2026. Whereas if you spend it all, then you're right back to ground zero again. So people hate to exchange time for money. And the only way to grow wealth and get out of that time for money trap is by investing. Either that or you just make so much money that you know you have more money than you need for the rest of your life. We, we can look at it that way too. Now, again, remember, I'm talking in generalities now. I recognize that there's all kinds of other factors that come into it. Some people inherit money. Some people are born into money. Some people are very talented at what they do, and they make plenty of money every year. But the average person isn't in any of those situations. The average person is in a place in their life where they have to get up and they have to do something to keep money coming in. That's the average person in that kind of a place. So back to uh, this player situation. If you were on a practice squad and you've accrued two years worth of experience, then your minimum goes up to 15400 per week, which is $277,200 for 18 weeks. And the maximum that you can get is $19,900 per week, which comes to $358,200 of income. And so um, married couple, one child, that money, and, and of course, you don't have a, a mortgage to pay. He already had his mortgage paid for. He already uh, bought the house. His cars were paid for in cash. Now, imagine that you're taking a portion of that money and you're investing it in. Let's stay real estate. I mean, with money coming like that coming in, you can invest in real estate or in the S&P, Standard & Poor 5000. That's something that most people put their money in with the intent of keeping it in there five years, 10 years longer. These are basic investment strategies that people have been doing from you know time immemorial, making um, a great income, getting a great return on their investment. But of course, it takes some time. So the idea here was invest the money, let it grow over the course of a decade or longer. So as a football player in his 20s, he could continue to invest money and build a substantial future for himself and his family and get out of the place where he was in debt or get out of the place where when he retired, he would have to downsize because he could no longer afford to maintain his lifestyle. Now, you and I are not athletes. But I'm imagining that as I've told you this story, you could relate at least to part of that story. This player, by the way, his name is Jalen Tabor. He's currently a free agent. And ever since I heard his story, I've been following him. I'm going to see if he makes the practice squad again. He played for, I believe, the Seattle Seahawks, or I believe that that's what he was on the practice squad last year. He did have a few more moments in the sun after this interview where they were talking about his finances and how to get back on his feet. You know, and I look at that story and I think, okay, our business careers may last a really long time, but who can say what business will actually be in down the road? 
the one great thing about having an online business today is that if you do have one, you already have enough skills to move into another online market or niche with minimum hassles. Yes, in some cases it may feel like you're starting over again, but all of the activities that you're used to, social media, email, websites, all of that stuff, you already have experience with that, so it's not like you're someone starting at ground zero. Now, currently, we see AI-based solutions competing or starting to compete with just about all of the service-based markets out there. Graphic design, content creation, all of that. And of course, this won't eliminate every job. It won't eliminate every career or even careers in that industry. However, it will affect the number of people needed to provide the actual service or the actual services to the market. So I remember famous marketer and author Seth Godin talking about this back in, I don't know, 2016 maybe, that he personally didn't see a bright future for marketing as a career in general, as most marketing activities he believed would be automated. And that's exactly what we see happening today. And that includes the management of marketing campaigns that will all be handled by some type of algorithm, AI, and in some cases it's already being done that way. Now this is happening in the larger companies, but there is that trickle down effect because the largest companies are always the first to adopt these technologies. And then it comes down to everyone else. Now, I just wanna change gears here for a minute and leave you with a few positive thoughts to counter all of these potential challenges that may be lingering in the back of your mind at this point. If you're good at what you do, you can find a place and there will be room for you in the future, no matter how crowded or how competitive the market is. Yes, some marketplaces may completely dry up, but the skills that you have can absolutely be repurposed and still have value going forward for the rest of your life. I've seen this happen over and over again. It's when you box yourself in and you make yourself believe that this is my career, this one narrow little thing, and that if this is not here for me, it's kind of like a safety blanket. There's no way that I could go out there and change what it is that I'm doing. And that's absolutely ridiculous. Now I'm hoping, because most of you listening to this podcast are in the area of online business, I hope you don't think that way because you know that the online world is still going to be there, all things being equal. Now if the online world isn't there, some people have asked me this before in my family, what would you do if the internet was suddenly gone? And I thought to myself, if the internet is gone, that means something catastrophic has happened and we have bigger problems than how am I going to be able to keep this kind of business going? I think then we're looking at kind of like an apocalyptic type event. But all of those things aside, which you and I as individuals have no direct control over, but all of those things aside, I think that from what I've seen today and comparing it with the past, if you can be above average, maybe even average right now in the business world, but still be able to be outstanding in the area of customer service, you can survive, believe it or not. I know people that really aren't overly skilled. They're newbies at what they're doing. They're getting better all the time. I'm not saying they're not. But what makes them stand out in their niche is the fact that when someone calls them on the phone, they get right back to them. When someone emails them in the inbox, they get right back to them. They provide outstanding customer service. They really immerse themselves in their work. And yes, they're going to get better over time. Now, if you're above average and you offer outstanding customer service, this is the one thing that we don't hear too much about. Maybe a little bit more today than in the past, but 
there's nothing like having calling a company and having a connection with the person on the other side of the conversation whether that conversation is happening face to face over the phone or in the inbox or in a chat or something like that a person that's taking the time to understand your problem taking the time to guide you from where you are to where you want to be those things will never be outdated and so i would just suggest that if you truly enjoy what you're doing continue to add to your skills continue to hone your existing skills and just know that those skills can be used in other areas doing other things or they can be repurposed within the same market if need be so i do know people that went out of business and were forced to close their doors and in some of those cases the experience was so negative that they decide to abandon that field altogether and go into something else i completely understand that i'm as human as anyone else is and maybe i would feel that way about marketing if that happened to me and I was in that position. But that said, even so, their skill set did not go to waste. They just reapplied them to their next venture and they learned from the experience. So if you do any kind of online business, I believe that your skills will most certainly not be limited to whatever it is that you're currently doing. So let me conclude by saying, keep your eyes open to what's happening around you. If you have concerns about what tomorrow may hold, do yourself a favor, talk it over with a friend or talk it over with a significant other in your life. Share some of your thoughts, share your concerns or your ideas and see what kind of feedback that you get. If you have parents or grandparents still around, maybe even chat with them about it. Why do I say this? Because very few things beat talking it out. And also, it's the relationships that we have that directly influence the quality of life we enjoy and the level of happiness we experience right here and right now. So do yourself a favor and don't be an island. Connect with the people who are important to you in their life. And who knows, maybe they have things that are weighing them down that they can share with you and you can kind of be that anchor to them as well. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else you happen to be. Actually, are they calling Twitter Twitter now? Didn't they rename it X or something like that? Or is that just a temporary thing? I don't know. You can do that either way or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week. And I'll talk to you later. 